Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to the programme, it is good to be back. My thanks to John Paul for sitting in for me last week when I was off. And it was one of those unusual weeks to be off. I had booked it off probably around maybe just after uh, Christmas because I knew that Marsha's workshop was going to be closed. They always close for this week over Easter. And we sort of said, we'll take the week off. And sure, by the time the beginning of April comes, sure, the hotels will be open. We'll be able to get away somewhere on a little mini staycation. Well, that wasn't to come to pass. So it was a week spent at home doing as much as I could in the garden. At one stage I said, if you stood long enough in my garden, there would be a string of fairy lights put around you or I might just plant you. There's only so much you could do. The weather turned a little bit then and you couldn't get out even into the garden. So it's just it's one of it was one of those rather unusual weeks, but good to get the break. And thanks to John Paul, who sat in and looked after the show for the last week. And of course, today Today is the day, April 12th, when we start to come out of one of the longest lockdowns we have had due to the pandemic. We have been more than 100 days in Level 5. In Level 5, of course, our most strict lockdown. Ronan Glynn saying there are many reasons for hope as restrictions start to ease today. It is a gradual easing of restrictions. For example, today, two households can meet outdoors. You can do it for social or leisure activities. But we we are being asked not pleased to meet up in each other's gardens. And I'm assuming the reason for that is that if we have everybody meeting in gardens, then you've got excuses to pop in and out of the house. And if you're sitting in the garden and it starts to rain, actually, we'll just sit into the kitchen there for a minute. Or if you are in the garden, you might kind of think, maybe we'll have a bit of a barbecue, will we, that we're we're having the family over and another family is coming over to visit us. And I think they're just a little bit nervous. Nobody wants us to go back to where we were when we came out of Christmas and the numbers just went through the roof. We certainly don't want to be going back uh, to cases like that. So because of that, you can now meet up with another family, go for a little bit of a walk. You can meet for a social, so you eat so for a social reason. So you could have a little bit of a picnic, it might be a bit chilly today for a picnic, but if the weather starts to improve, you could have a little picnic in the park. But again, we're all told, even when we're meeting up, you still need to abide by a lot of the rules and the regulations, the mask wearing and the trying to keep, you know, the two metre social distancing and the hand washing 
washing. None of that is, is disappearing. We can also now travel, of course, anywhere within this beautiful county of ours. And that's where we are truly blessed here in Cork because we have such a large county and we have such a beautiful county and there's so many places to uh, visit. And again, I, I don't know if people today are getting up on today being the first day of it and deciding, yeah, I'm going to travel the length of the county. If you are, safe travels to you. But when the weather does really start to pick up and weekends and long weekends coming up, we will have occasions where some of our scenic area and our beaches will be very, very busy indeed and people are going to have to be very mindful of COVID even when we are allowed and when people are heading to the beach, uh, etc. And as I mentioned earlier when I was chatting with Ken in the tube of the, of the programme, just to be mindful that people live in these areas as well and try not to block up anybody's driveways if you do get to go to the beach and it's uh, on, on a busy day. Just be mindful of people living in those areas uh, as well because it can be uh, really, uh, it can, I mean, it can, it can get quite serious at times if somebody can't get out of the driveway of their house because somebody has decided they're spending the day at the beach and oh there's a nice parking space right in front of the driveway of somebody's house and just abandoning the car because somebody can be gone for hours not allowing that person then any access to get get in or get out of their home so be careful about that and of course if you live along any of the county bounds you can travel across the county bounds. You can't go further than 20 kilometres and that's to allow for... I remember that anomaly happened back in last year when the first easing of restrictions from one of the level five easing of restrictions when we were allowed to travel within the county and we had so many people listening to this programme who lived either along the Cork-Kerry border or lived uh, along the Cork-Limerick border or the Cork-Tipperary border and people were saying, you know, it's only, I need to go three kilometres over the county bounds but I need to do it, I need to go shopping or I might need to go visit a loved one or for, you know, examples like that were being used. So because of that they put this limit of 20 kilometres from your home if you do need to cross the county bounds. But that does not mean that people living anywhere in Cork can go 20 kilometres into any other county. You've got to be living close to the county bounds for that particular piece of the the, the new easing of the uh, restrictions. There was 303 new cases of the virus confirmed yesterday. Uh, That's the lowest daily number of new infections since the middle of December. So that has certainly got to be welcomed because it was into after the Christmas period that the numbers really started to rise. Then, of course, as we know, when we headed into January, we had daily figures that topped 7,000 on one of the days. So to have us back with infections the way they were in the middle of uh, December, I certainly will take that as a, a little bit of a positive. Dr. Roland Glim saying there are many reasons for hope as we head into this uh, a new week. But he's saying that we can maintain our progress we can maintain our vaccines and the basic public health measure. And if we do all of that, it would be our way out of this pandemic. So he's certainly offering some words of hope. He pointed out that yesterday also saw the lowest number of new hospital admissions of people with COVID-19. And it was the lowest number since November. So lots of reasons there for positivity and for hope. But what we have to just 
hope for now is that people don't go absolutely mad and that people are going to think, oh, sure, everything's fine now, everything's back to normal because we know what this virus is like. We know how contagious this virus can be and we know how easy it can spread. Today, of course, is also the first day, the first day that all schools are back right across at the country and that's since December, since they broke up for their Christmas holidays. We haven't had every single class back. There's about 250,000 children who will be returning to second level schools uh, today. That's the first, second, third and fourth years. They haven't been back since they broke up at uh, Christmas and it seems they'll all be getting refresher courses on safety, being reminded about the wearing of masks, being reminded about social distancing and being reminded about hand sanitation. None of that has gone uh, away. All of the residential construction, that all resumes from uh, today as well as construction on early learning and childcare projects that gets a lot of builders back to work uh, today. Now we'll have another few weeks to wait though. It'll be April 19th before we will see. Oh, that's only this day. Yeah, the, I'm, I forget what day of the week. We're, we're, we're nearly halfway through April already. So another week we will see a return of elite sport and training for and playing of the adult inter-county national GAA leagues but that doesn't include minor or under 20 competitions but that's from next Monday and then the plan is that restrictions will be eased further later on this month and on the 26th of April for example outdoor sports facilities will reopen and also they, we will see a reopening of visitor attractions the zoos photo wildlife park uh, for example for example that's all going to be at the end of the month the 26th so it is a very very gradual easing of restrictions and I'm assuming that most people while we're all desperate to get back to some kind of a normal normality I'm assuming the majority of people will welcome that it is a, a gradual easing of restrictions I think none of us want to make any of the mistakes that were made at Christmas time because we saw the effect of it and I remember doing this programme in the run up to Christmas when we were talking about things opening up and people being allowed to visit loved ones and people going out to restaurants etc and we were talking about the people we're nervous and worried about what's going to happen will it be the third wave in in January and exactly as was predicted came to pass so I think none of us want us to say oh sure we were talking about that in April we knew it was going to happen so I think everyone I think the majority of people while people are anxious to get back to a normal life and people are looking with slight envy across the water to what's happening in England with outdoor dining opening in pubs hairdressers are opening in England gyms are opening in England the non-essential shops are all reopening today and there is a slight bit of envy as we look to that but because they are much more ahead of us on vaccination we can't possibly consider doing something like that here in this country so we do have to wait so as I say I feel that the majority of people will be happy that it's a very easing of the restrictions but your thoughts uh, welcomed uh, on it are you happier that this is the way Neffet and therefore the government then taking on their recommendations have decided to do it. 
are you anxious for more things to open? Would you like to see uh, more restrictions being eased and a, and a greater opening up of this country? Your thoughts welcome to 1850-333-103. And can I just leave covert there for a moment because there were some wonderful sporting achievements at the weekend that have got to be recognised on the programme and spoken about on the programme today. I already saw a text in the kind of sums up uh, Rachel Blackmore from Michael St. Patricia. What a spectacular piece of history, horsemanship and a combination of skill and timing to perfection to watch 30-year-old Tipperary-born Rachel Blackmore running clear of a field of 40 horses to win the world's most prestigious steeplechase race on the calendar, the Aintree Grand National. Rachel Blackmore became the first female jockey to record the historic win of the Grand National since it was inaugurated 182 Two years ago, the superb Tipperary lady who took her sporting ability to the upper echelons of the racing world. And another lady said Michael who made history at the weekend, Cork City Professor Linda Doyle, who is set to become Tip- Trinity College Dublin's first ever provost in the 429 year history of the university. A real historic development in Trinity's history. What a historical week for these ladies. Every good wish to them in their professions and to keep them uh, safe. Thank you for that, Michael. But Rachel Blackmore's uh, win was just incredible. And it was very much a Tipperary story. I mean, Rachel coming from Killinall in Tipperary, but the horse that she was on, Manella Times, is of course named after a very famous hotel in Clonmel called the Manella Hotel, which has been owned by the Nallan uh, family for certainly as long as I can remember. I know I went to school with uh, Elizabeth Nallen, who's now co-owner of the hotel along with her brother John Nallen. And Manella Times was one of John's horses. There's a string of horses and they'll all have Manella in the title. And the reason for it was he called all the horses. It was a way of publicising his hotel. It was like a clever piece of marketing for the hotel at the same time. And he's had some, some major, major successes with the horses he sort of he, he, he takes the horses he buys what he calls rough diamonds and turns them into winning horses and he gets them prepared and then he sells them on and but some of his horses uh, uh, Manila Indo was the other horse that won the gold uh, the gold cup at, at Cheltenham so it was very much a Tipperary story but a fantastic win an absolutely fantastic win for Rachel Blackmore and I loved the fact that after the race when she was being asked about being the first female jockey she, she said she didn't care whether she was male or female she's a jockey at the end of the day she's won a race and that's all you know she she didn't see it as anything spectacular for women, even though she did say it would give great sense of hope to any young girls watching her to show that they can achieve whatever they want to achieve. So congratulations to Rachel Blackmore more, and also to the Cork to the Cork City History Professor Linda Doyle and her uh, amazing appointment to Trinity uh, College. And of course, we can't talk about sporting achievements at the weekend without mentioning our Cork Rose World Champions, Paula Donovan and Fintan McCarthy fulfilled all expectations with the successful defence of their European title in Italy yesterday. Gold for the lightweight double was the icing on the cake for Ireland's rowers. They finished the weekend with two medals from 6A finals, which is the, which has been Ireland's best ever European uh, championship. And of course, it was Ireland's women's four. They got silver medal with that silver medal added to the bronze that they won at 
at last year's uh, championship and that uh, team uh, made up of Emily um, Hegarty, Skibbereen and UCC, Emer Lamb, Afrik Kyo of UCC Rowing Club and Fiona Murta and they all showed class yesterday winning silver so there was some great sporting achievements that we celebrate and acknowledge today. We will of course later on in the programme today be remembering the late Joe McCarthy who sadly passed away last uh, Saturday. I was so so saddened to hear of the death of uh, Joe from uh, Balanascarthy well well known to so many people because he was such a community man and of course for us here in the radio station it his death was just received with such great sadness because he was the founding director of this radio station and all of us that have worked with Joe down through the years I never knew anyone who had a bad word to say about Joe and he was always just in such great humour and he had a great laugh and he was always so full of fun and he was a complete and utter gentleman so it was we're all heartbroken to hear of the passing of Joe and I know his funeral will be held at uh, later on today one o'clock uh, today and it is on you can you can log in and see it on the internet on Cork live stream dot com because that's a funeral that my goodness would have been if it was in normal times would have been absolutely massive so very much this morning thinking of his wonderful wife Eileen and his 10 children and his 21 grandchildren and he even has a great grandson all who are deeply deeply grieving today so we remember all of them but in particular we remember with much love and uh, affection uh, Joe McCarthy and Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear says Patricia was with deep regret that we learnt of the passing of Joe McCarthy a true gentleman who will never be forgotten for his scrakes here on C103. It was a pleasure to know Joe and Eileen and the many many cups of tea. May he rest in peace. Thank you for that. That's from Michael in Castletown Bear and as I say we will be later on in the programme today remembering the late great Joe McCarthy. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie Parents Supports Group has appealed to schools to be flexible after a number of parents reported receiving letters warning that pupils will be sent home if they're not wearing the correct uniform when they returned to school this morning Louise Bayless is co-founder of Spark Ireland which is a group which represents single parents and Louise joins me good morning to you Louise Good morning, how are you? I'm very well and you're welcome to the programme. Now are some parents faced with the dilemma that uniforms simply are not fitting some of their pupils, some of their children, they've outgrown them and with, course, sh- yeah. with, with shops closed, even if they wanted to, they, they can't even go out and buy them. Exactly, there's, there's two concerns. Um, well, there's three concerns really, but the two major concerns are the actual financial cost of it. I mean, there's a lot of people who haven't had a job in 14 months, the wage packet in 14 months. There's six weeks left for secondary school children who are returning to school for the first time today. If you had the money, if the shops were open and you had the money, are you going to buy a pair of shoes that will do for six weeks? Or are you going to buy a pair of runners that will do them 
from now until September. I mean, people have to make these practical decisions and why a pair of black runners can't be used as a pair that a child will wear outside school is one issue. The other issue, as you quite rightly pointed out there, is the accessibility and availability. The shops are closed. Um, how do people actually even buy the shoes? And if t- people's, if children's feet have grown, and um, it's one thing saying buy them online, but if you haven't been able to get into a physical shop to measure the shoes, mm. how do you know what size to buy? And then there's the third thing, which I think is probably the most important of all, is that their children have been at home, they've lost social inclusion, they have lost social skill, there's huge anxiety about them going back back to school. Again, we also know that there's an increase in domestic violence incidents. We know too so concerned about children um, and child protection issues. And all of this is going on in a child's head. And going into school this this morning should be for those children a welcome haven, a safe haven, a place where they can socialise and schools should be operating in that safe zone and really trying to welcome children back in and instead some schools have sent out letters which included a threat that said we understand budgetary concerns, we understand availability, the shops are closed but nevertheless if your child comes in in the wrong shoes they will be sent home to rectify it and that's a threat when the school should be operating in a position of leadership and welcoming children in. Yeah, and and one of the letters, and I know it was a Dublin school, saying that that it would be, and, and I quote, students who arrive in school in non-uniform and are breached the code of behaviour in any other manner are giving yeah. a clear message that they cannot be trusted to abide by any of the school's COVID-19 protocols and they'll be sent home immediately. I mean, having the wrong shoes does not mean that that yeah. young boy or girl is going to not abide by the school's COVID-19 protocols. Absolutely. And even linking not having the right uniform to not abiding with the disciplinary rules, they're two separate things. One, I mean, the uniform procurement is basically the responsibility of the parent. If the child is going into school without the uniform, that's nothing to do with the child. It's if the parents may not have the money or may not have access to shops or for whatever reason. But to say that's that means they can't abide by the rules. It's physically impossible for them to abide by the rules. So even linking discipline and uniform, and I think that's where the problem is, you know, perhaps in normal times, you know, you have to comply with the rules. If you go to uniform school, you have to comply. But it's not normal times, and we've had to be flexible about everything, about about all of our aspects of our life. And for school not to show leadership in this and say, yes, do you know what? We do have strict uniform procedures, but currently we're in the middle of a crisis. We'll show leadership by showing we will be flexible, but come September when shops are open, we will return to normal. That's what we were expected to do in our own lives. That's what the school should have been doing too. And it's an awful thing to turn around and say, if you haven't got the right shoes, you're not abiding and you can't be trusted. And even that word trust, mm. it, it, it's very judgmental. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think you hit the nail on the head with the, the fact that there's only six weeks left of this yeah. school term. I mean, even people who are flushed with money would be would find it rather galling to go out and have to splurge out on a new uniform. And the school shoes, I mean, you talk to it's any school, school pupil, yeah. they will not wear those school shoes. No unless they're going into school they do certainly do not wear them on the weekend and if no, you buy them no. now you're thinking of a first year who's gone back in for the first time today since Christmas by September those shoes are not going to, going to still fit that 13, 14 no. year old 
No, they're not going to fit them in September. And and if you have limited funds, are you really going to spend 50 or 60 euro to buy a pair of school shoes that is going to, they're going to get maximum 30 days wear out of? And it won't even be full wear. It'll be for the six hours of school. It's ridiculously yeah, expected. Yeah. And when people are faced with those choices, of course they're going to buy the runners that the child will get the full summer out of. And for schools not to understand the practicality. And I think one of the things that has been exposed by this is there's a chasm between those parents, those people, should I say, who have not experienced job losses, who've not had their salary cut, who have the full pay and those who are struggling. And the gap has gotten bigger and people seem to not understand or realise not everybody's in the same position. And really there's financial strains on, on families going back to school. Well said, well said. And overall, though, parents thrilled to see their children return to school today. Overall, parents are thrilled for the mental health, for the education, for all those reasons we wanted children back in school. Parents are absolutely delighted. But I was looking on Twitter last night, because this is something that we came across last Wednesday, but I was looking at Twitter last night, and so many people were suddenly saying, I've just put on the school uniform, the trousers don't fit, the shoes don't fit, and there's panic with parents. And then people saying, I'm sure the schools will be flexible, which is what you would expect in a pandemic. But unfortunately... Um, you're going to have the few you're you're, you're always you're always going to have the few don't you think it's time the Department of Education took leadership in this yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 well, if and we'll only find out as the day goes on today if pupils are start to be sent home. I think there will yeah. just be uproar, and I think the Department I, of Education yeah. will have to intervene. Yeah, and I think that I think you're absolutely right, but I think we kind of by highlighting this last Wednesday and Thursday, I think we may have just the schools may yeah. be a little bit more sensitive. And if that's if we achieved that, I'd be very happy well because the idea of some child being shamed from school today, if we've prevented that happening, it was well worth the last couple well of days. Well done. And actually, when we're talking about the young people returning to school today, I, it struck me over the weekend when I was thinking about it, the first years, because so much emphasis, I think, has gone on the leaving surclass, and rightly so, because, you know, they've got state exams and all of that. But, you know, something, I have a real grow for the first years. They've yeah. had it really tough. If you think about last year, they would have finished school in March in sixth class. So they didn't have the normal rite of passage the last day in their primary yeah. school saying goodbye to all the little friends and then heading off into secondary school. Then they went into secondary school, everybody wearing masks. They went into a completely new environment, social distancing. They probably don't even know what their teachers look like. They yeah. made it through to Christmas and then they were back out again. Yeah, I actually, I 100% agree with you because I always think the biggest change in a child's life is that transition into secondary. They go from being babied in primary school to being thrown into this you know, this where they're supposed to be adults and responsible in in secondary. And it's a huge transition for every child at age 12 or 13 to, to have to go through this. But to go through it through a pandemic without the normal supports that would be there. And as you said, not even seeing their teachers' faces. And then to have that four-month gap in between it then because the school's closing and they're still not sure and they're trying to manage online schooling. And I know that a lot of them would have gone in very anxious this morning. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost it's like starting camp. secondary school for them all over again oh, today. But should they've never really started, as you said, the yeah. normal kind of bonding that they would have had of meeting friends after school, all of that has been taken from them, so they don't even know their classmates. 
Um, so it would have been a very scary place for them to go into today. And that's why I think the school should have gone out of the way to welcome the children, yeah. not sending out threatening letters. OK, and finally, Louise, as I mentioned at the outset, you're, you're a co-founder of uh, Spark Ireland and you support uh, single parents. Have many of your members struggled financially during this pandemic? struggled financially, what we found out is when the schools were closed, the real impact on that, because parents were saying they have a certain amount of money to heat their houses. Incomes are limited, and in fact, most incomes were were stopped. Um, a lot of lone parents would have said that their maintenance has stopped, so they're down that money automatically. Um, and then the increased cost of school being closed. So what we heard from parents was that they were keeping their children in bed until one or two o'clock in the day so that they only had to turn on the heating the same time as if the child was coming home from school. And that's what real deprivation is. And and these, you know, and this is the pressure some of our families would have been under and we would have heard that. And that's, I suppose, why when I saw the letter about make sure you have shoes for your child going home, the reality of other people's lives, the teachers were not recognising that. Oh my God, it's hard, hard to hard to believe that kids been taught stay under the duvet because you'll stay warm until I can. Now, let's be honest, place. the children were probably delighted. <laughs> I know, yeah, but, but that that right. novelty that novelty right. would wear off if it went on yeah. for months for sure. Yeah, All right, exactly. listen, uh, Louise, thank you for that, and uh, no keep problem. keep Thanks fighting the good fight. Yeah, great thank to you. chat. Take care. Bye bye. That bye is bye. Uh, Louise Bayless, co-founder of Spark Ireland, a group that supports single uh, parent uh, families, and it will be as I say. We, we, I, we, ha- we certainly haven't heard of anyone whose son or daughter was sent home from school today because they had the wrong school shoes on. And I think, I, I think Louise is right. The very fact that this issue was highlighted may have just drawn attention to schools who did send out uh, those rather threatening letters to their the families of students just to kind of slightly cop on a little bit here. Now we are living in the middle of a pandemic and not everyone can afford to buy a new pair of school shoes that the the children will only be wearing for six weeks. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. For those of us that remember the troubles, it was really unnerving to see violent protests on the streets of Belfast over the last week or so. To get an understanding of why the this violence has broken out. I'm joined by Quiva Quinn of our sister station in Belfast, U105. Good morning to Quiva. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, you're, you're welcome. Now, I know 14 PSNI officers were injured on uh, Friday night. Um, there, but there was less violence, wasn't there, for the rest of the weekend? That's right, yes. We've seen a relatively quiet weekend in comparison to the previous days. You know, um, you're saying there 14 police officers were injured, but I think it's actually almost 90 over the course of the past week. Um, the first major incident we've seen happened in the Sandy Boy area. Okay, we're having a problem. Across the region. Sorry, your, your phone line just dropped out there for a second. You were saying that the first incident happened when? On Good Friday in South Belfast in the Sandy Boy area. Um, so we've just seen a lot of flashpoints since then across the region. Um, I think the worst of the riding was actually at an interface at a peace wall between the Loyalist Shankill Road and the Nationalist Springfield Road in West Belfast. Um, it's actually been described as the worst that we've seen in years here. I know there was footage on social media of children as young as 12 and 13 participating in these acts of violence and 
we're seeing some criticism coming because there seems to be adults as well just goading them into taking part. Yeah, and I think, you know, watching the images on the news, the seeing the young rioters, you know, it struck me because we were we had the anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement on Saturday, t- uh, 23 years since that was signed. These are a young generation that have grown up in peace times. They've never seen that level of violence on the streets before. Exactly, yeah. I mean, obviously the clock sprung forward last month, but it seems in Northern Ireland we've gone back maybe... 30 years. Um, the children have been out in all the violence that we have seen in recent days and we've seen politicians come out and appeal to the parents to act and to stop the children because there's going to be long-term consequences for them. A lot of them are facing criminal records for violence towards police officers. We've seen on Wednesday night there was actually a bus hijacked and set alight. There was petrol bomb stone, brick stone, and in the same area, the following night on Thursday, a water cannon was actually deployed for the first time in six years. And again, any social media footage you come across, you'll usually see or hear adults off to the side kind of going in to take part in this. And of course, like you say, they've no experience of the troubles that grew up in peace times. And you have to question why exactly they're getting involved. And this kind and of can you give us an understanding of why and how this violence has, has unfolded and what are the main reasons for it? Or are there any known reasons for it? Well, when the violence began, it was linked to the decision not to prosecute champion leaders over their attendance at the funeral of Bobby Story. That, of course, seeing around 2,000 people lying the and other people can only have small numbers at a funeral. It's also been tied into the rising tensions over post-Brexit arrangements, particularly with the Irish Sea border. And it just seems that these tensions have boiled over into violence because it's a real melting pot. We've also heard some politicians have said there's maybe underlying issues going on here, given the age in the areas that these protests or violent things are developing in. We've heard arguments that it might be down to austerity, um, lack of education, lack of services. So I guess the real question is what exactly is causing it and what can be done to put a stop to it? Because I imagine, Quiver, those who do vividly remember the troubles, there must be a real sense of sadness to be witnessing these violent scenes on the streets again. That's it. I mean, I myself grew up in peace times. I don't have any experience of the troubles, but from some of the stories I've heard, it's something that a lot of people want to maybe put behind them. It's something I myself learned about in history class, and it's not something you thought would have been coming back in 2021, Um, especially now when there's things like COVID happening in the world. I don't think anyone expected we would be reporting on riots once again in Northern Ireland and for 10 consecutive days. And I was thinking of Lyra McKeera's family because her anniversary was at the weekend, wasn't it? That's right, yes, Lyra McKee um, in Derry. Her family have campaigned about this. They came out last week and spoke asking people not to act in violence. There are other ways to deal with it. She, of course, lost her life um, while reporting and witnessing a thing of violence in day. 
And unfortunately, the penny still hasn't dropped. It's still continuing despite that loss of life. And there was, I know the loyalists, they cancelled a number of planned protests over the weekend because there was a genuine fear that those protests could have escalated into further violence. That's correct. You know, we've seen some social media posts circulating that there was a number of planned protests to take place Friday and Saturday evening. What we did see as well is at some of the interface areas, there was posters erected calling cities to stop as a mark of respect to the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, who passed away on Friday. Unfortunately, a few hours later, there was actually some violence that did erupt in a couple of areas. Now, it wasn't as bad as in previous days, but it still happened. And of course, Saturday, thankfully, all has been quiet and the same last night. So we're still waiting to see if it's going to boil up maybe over the next week because there is a real fear that those days of violence could set the tone for weeks and even months ahead. Oh, it would be dreadful. It would really, really be dreadful. And, and as you mentioned, we are living in the middle of a pandemic with uh, COVID. We have some minor easing of restrictions uh, here today at Quiva. You've got more easing of restrictions in Northern Ireland than we certainly have here in the South. You know, um, children are all back to school today, which I'm sure parents are enjoying up here. We've seen them pass, um, go through the school gates this morning. We've also seen some more click and collect services open up here. I think the executive is due to come out on Thursday and announce some dates. So that's the big news that we're all waiting on. You know, it's great to be able to have 10 people in your garden from two different households and kind of get to see people more outdoors. But I think people are really waiting for those close contact services and for when we can gather again in hospitality venues. Yeah. The hairdresser's still closed? They are, yes, yeah. I'm sure everyone <laughs> is feeling bad. All, all the ladies are looking, all the ladies very much looking for the hairdressers to open, uh, for sure. We're all in need of a, of a good cut and colour at this stage. Um, OK, listen, uh, Quiva, and of course, the, you're flying it with the vaccinations. They yeah, are, we seem to be doing well. I think um, over 40s are now able to get the vaccination here. I believe we passed our one millionth COVID vaccine at the weekend, so we're hoping that's going to everyone in Northern Ireland vaccinated by the end of the summer if not the end of the year and return to some kind of normality okay listen Quiva it was a pleasure uh, to speak with you thank you for that stay safe and thanks for joining us in the next hour we will be remembering one year on the Debenhams workers still fighting uh, to get their basic uh, redundancy and a decent uh, redundancy do we need legislation to protect workers during uh, liquidation so we'll have that and we'll also remember the late Joe McCarthy all coming up in the next hour Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Some of your thoughts coming in when we were talking about the easing of restrictions. One listener not that happy about it and is having a go at the government, uh, particularly saying that people can only meet outside but can't meet in your garden. This listener says, what about all of the people who will be heading to the beaches? There will be hundreds of people heading to the beaches. What is the point in that? I have seen more than two people altogether, no social distancing, but they tell us now we can't have a few people in our garden because that might spread the virus. Where is the hope for the 
elderly who've lived in their homes for over a year and they might like to have a few people into the uh, garden and the government are saying you can meet outdoors but only from one other household but they are the sisters right they are saying you can't meet in the gardens I'm assuming that they're fearful if they say to people to meet in gardens that people might end up having barbecues or people might end up having large gatherings in their gardens and then if it rains or the weather turns anyway dodgy everyone will just go into the house instead and then you'll end up with a lot of people indoors in exactly the kind of environment where the virus will spread I'm assuming that that is their thinking on it because the government are also saying that any meetings outdoors they're saying that they should be safe social distancing and safe behaviours should be practised and they're also saying that masks should be worn if there's a very busy outdoor setting so if we do get a spell of nice weather and this listener predicting tens of hundreds of people heading to the beach will still be told you need to try to socially distance as much as you can and if it gets very busy outdoor you should be wearing your mask as well even though there was really good scientific evidence wasn't there last year showing last week uh, showing how it is much safer outside than inside when it comes to the spread of the coronavirus so I suppose they're using all of that scientific advice uh, as well and I know it's frustrating for people they would love the idea of being able to have everybody in around or or a couple of people into the garden but they're saying for now we need to hold off. Stephen was on he feels at this stage that we need the government needs to issue some kind of a roadmap with dates like what they've done in the United Kingdom. Stephen in particular is hoping that the gyms will be open up soon. He feels having the gym open will bring back some kind of normality into his life so he just wishes that the government would give us some kind of dates like they've done in the UK. Well we did get a type, we did get some dates in fairness. I mean today is the first date of any easing with the five kilometre limit being lifted and those outdoor gatherings that we've spoken about and they were all kicking in from the 12th of April and of course the big one is that all school pupils are back in in the classroom that was something that they've been pushing for and aiming for for quite some time and God knows before the Easter holidays there was a bit of worry with the numbers and the way the Covid figures were going there was a bit of worry and I know I heard of some schools who asked their pupils to take all of their school books home with them that worried some of the parents who were fearful that school wouldn't reopen after Easter so I think there was a little bit of a wobble for a time but the government in effort from literally I think from when we went into level five their aim also was was to get the numbers down low enough so that all the pupils could return to school so they have done that and they did get that um a roadmap of the 12th of April so that's come to pass and they have given us some further dates like the 19th which will be this day week individual training is going to be allowed along with professional and elite uh, sports that's happening high performance training will be allowed including the inter-county senior GAA team training that's from next Monday and then on the 26th of April there's some further easing in the weddings and funerals the number goes from 10 up to uh, 25 that's for funerals there'll be no change to the numbers of weddings they will remain at 6 sport and exercise on the 26th of April the tennis outdoor tennis and golf can uh, resume as well as outdoor sports training for under 18s and as I mentioned earlier the zoos and the wildlife parks like our beautiful Fosha they will open to the public on the 26th of April and then looking ahead to May expect those measures are all expected to last until the 4th of May and then more easing will come kick in in the beginning of May. Now what's expected then 
in May would be the phased reopen of non-essential retail and personal services such as hairdressers. That is what's been discussed at the moment. But I'm sorry to tell you, Stephen, I can't see gyms on anything that I've seen on what's expected to happen. I can't see a date yet for the gyms. But maybe, yeah, maybe the government will take on board what they've what they've decided to do in the UK by giving these very set dates and even though all of those dates are still if anything goes wrong with the numbers the dates will change but but I think Stephen Stephen's plan is probably right if you knew for example if you're a gym buddy and you're really missing the gym if you knew for example that the gyms were going to open on the 4th of May you could sort of count it down and it might give you some sort of peace of mind and that's what Stephen would prefer to see. John says I feel people were happier over the weekend did other people notice that as well and he reckons the reason for it was the slight easing of the restrictions from today and the fact that people now know they can travel beyond their 5k from uh, today and he says hopefully we will never see the likes of that again, that that we will never be restricted to stay within five kilometres of our home. And I have to say, certainly when I was off last week, it was the first time that I honestly felt the five kilometre rule really, really restrictive because suddenly I had time on my hands and realised I couldn't go anywhere or do anything with that time off. So it certainly was the first time. And I know I've had weekends off, uh, but at the weekends you're busy and you're doing things when you're working during the week and it's, you know, you don't, it didn't seem to matter as much, much to me as certainly it did last week. So I think, John, I think you're right. People believe, I certainly, when I was out doing some shopping at the weekend, there's, there, there seemed to be a lift about people as well and maybe it was to do with the easing of restrictions and I think for parents with pupils going back to school there certainly was a sense of relief about that and on schools Alan says that schools should be grateful that parents are sending their children back and not be worried about whether they have a full uniform or not Gat on Twitter at C103 Cork says when I grew up we would have had no problem when it came to school uniforms as we always lived in hand-me-downs so every uniform and every article of clothing you had was always two sizes too big anyway. Just one of the many ways that we were more environmentally friendly than the youngsters of today. The uniforms then, when they were no longer used to anyone, were used as rag mats and blankets. There was absolutely no waste in our day. Thank you for that. Patricia, the schools that sent out those cheeky letters to some of the families, I think, should be named. What a disgrace. God help the children in those schools. It really does make me sick. And and when I was doing some research on this over the weekend, I couldn't find any school in Cork that sent out such a letter and certainly couldn't find any local schools that had sent out uh, such a letter. And, and hopefully that the boards of management and the principals and the teachers of the schools had more sense than to say to parents who are under enough pressure as it is when your children come back into school this morning if they don't have a school full uniform we're going to send them back home again and we haven't heard of any we haven't had any call in or heard and we've been watching social media as well haven't heard of any child who's been sent home today because they didn't have the full uniform I think I think schools are going to be more than understanding particularly when the secondary school children who've gone back today for a quarter of a million of them for the first time since Christmas are only going back in and they have about six weeks and then they'll be breaking up for their summer holidays. And Ross says on teachers, teachers need to cop on when it comes to pupils returning to the uh, classroom. Teachers have all been on full pay while so many of the parents are on their uppers. How can they possibly expect 
anyone to go out and buy a new school uniform with so little time left in this school year. 1850-333-103 and someone says, Patricia, do you know why they've stopped giving the county COVID numbers at the weekend? Uh, thanking you. Uh, John Paul says, yeah, it's been suspended at the weekend. I don't know whether it only happened this weekend or whether it happened last weekend as, uh, as well. I don't know if it's to do with cutbacks or not or whether it's to do with the fact that the numbers have fallen. I remember before when the numbers were low, they also did that. They just gave the county figures on Monday to Friday. They didn't give them at the weekend. So I I think possibly it's got something to do with the lower. When the numbers are that low, they feel they don't need to give as much detail uh, to people. So that's why they've suspended the giving out of the county COVID numbers at the weekend um, but it'll be back today and we, d- we don't even want to think of figures going back up and high COVID numbers again but if God forbid that happened then I feel sure we'll be back with the COVID county figures at the weekend. 1850 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Haven't do newspaper they are recruiting a news reporter it's for its head office in Mitchellstown a full driver's licence is necessary Community Employment Supervisor is required for Con for Kun Mwira. Uh, level 6 major award essential and addiction studies qualification desirable. 360 machine driver required it's to plant trees on a slope it's in the Crosshaven area and a shop assistant is required for top line Murphy and O'Connor in Bantry. Some experience in DIY building in paint would be desirable. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court to Today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Now, last Friday marked the first anniversary of the Debenhams workers losing their jobs, and 365 days later, the employees of the chain store are still campaigning for a just settlement. Solidarity People Before Profit TD McBarry wants to introduce a bill to improve the status of employees in liquidation situations and Deputy Mick Barry joins me. Good morning to you, Mick. Good morning to you, Patricia. And you're, you're welcome. Has the campaign by the Debenhams workers inspired you to try to get this bill introduced? Yes, it has. Um, um, what the Debenhams workers have done over the last year uh, would inspire uh, anyone who is a supporter of workers' rights um, and it has provoked many conversations about the need to change the law in this country and to improve workers' rights in liquidation situations. The government had it in their programme for government that they were going to do this. The government had been in power for nearly a year now, um, and there's you know, no uh, sign of that legislation emerging. So rather than a, a wait, uh, we decided to draft legislation ourselves and we'll be moving that in the doll uh, after it reconvenes. Okay, and I'll, I'll talk to you in a couple of minutes more about the plan for your bill, but your heart would go out to the workers, and I'm told that I'm joined on the line by Valerie Conlon, who is a shop steward for the Debenhams uh, workers. Uh, good morning to you, Valerie. Good morning, how and are you? I'm very well, and it is so hard to believe that one year on, you guys are in the very same situation you were in this time last year. 
Yes, it, it, like the fact that our government that has been, as Mick just said, they are now uh, been in nearly a year now at this stage, and they still are willing to leave us out there without uh, topping up our redundancy. Really, uh, you'd wonder what they want to do at all for the employee. How tough a year has it been, Valerie? It's been a very hard year because not only are you out there in all weather, but you also have to go home to a family. You have, you still have your family. You still have life happening to you. So you have to be available 24-7 in case there is a, a red alert, in case trucks are coming. But you also have to be available at home 24-7. So people have found it very, very hard. And you've managed to make sure all of the stock has remained in the store? Yes, from from what we can see, um, the stock is still inside Patrick Street. And until all this is finished, it won't be going anywhere. And while each and every one of you as workers know that your job is gone, but and this isn't about give us back our job, you're just fighting for a fair redundancy deal. That's all you're looking for. We're fighting for the deal that we made in 20, the collective agreement that we made back in 2016. And we... Like, in 2016, our redundancy package was lowered. It used to be more than that. And we agreed to that. And if we had known that just a few years after that, that we wouldn't have gotten it, then we wouldn't have voted it in. Mm. So we're simply only asking for what we actually all voted in for. How did you mark the first anniversary of the closure of the store? Well, there was the demonstration outside all stores. All 11 stores had demonstrations outside their stores. And we had a lot of speakers at all the stores and the public, uh, as usual, who was a great support for us. So we went, we, we, we celebrated it with a bang. And we also had a Facebook Live event then as well at 7 o'clock on Friday night. Have any or many of the workers managed to go on and get jobs throughout the year, Valerie? There is. I'm actually working myself. I can't start myself. Well done. <laughs> um, well done. <laughs> so yes, there is. There is a few out there, and I have to say, the majority of the people, especially in Patrick Street, that have gotten work are still doing the pickets on their day. And off. that's right. So that's that what commitment. commitment that is. Yeah. That is such a. And of course, you have. You were offered this three million euro training and upskilling fund. It was yes. designed to assist the work the workers. You rejected that. We rejected it. We were offered this and we had to vote on, on that three million, not knowing what it was actually. So like we were after getting our document, we had to vote on this document. We did ask, could somebody explain it better to us? But no, we weren't allowed that. So the difference is now the three million is still on the table. But Solace are actually having individual meetings with every store yeah. to explain exactly what can be done with it, what people can do, what they can claim. So it's ju- it just means we have a little bit more information this time. Okay, okay. And, and obviously an upskilling and training will suit some people and will be of benefit to some of the workers. But I'm assuming, Valerie, there'll be a cohort of workers who are probably close to, to retiring and the last thing they want to do is for training and reskilling. Well, yes, and we did ask this. Um, it is, it's called, it's, this time it's called a well-being fund. Okay. Rather than an upskilling and <sighs> fund. So it like... It is obviously open for everybody, every union member, now I might say. Um, so, like, just in case, if somebody did have something planned for their retirement and they can have a chat with that to somebody, a one-on-one meeting with somebody to say, well, I wanted to do A, B and C, 
and then hopefully they will get funding towards that. Okay, okay. So hopefully some some good will will come out of that. Please thought, yeah. Yeah. Thought. Uh, listen, uh, we wish you continued good luck, uh, Valerie. You you're, you're you're a mighty bunch, and you're you're <laughs> united, which is which is brilliant. And you've Definitely. been united from day one, and you certainly have the support and the backing of the people of Cork. You hear nothing but good and goodwill towards the Debenhams workers. So we wish you luck, uh, and, th- thank and thanks you. for joining us, um, Valerie. Thank you for that. That thank is you very much. Uh, Valerie uh, Connor who's as a shop steward with the Debenhams worker now, uh, McBarry was on the line listening to that your heart would go out to them Mick wouldn't, wouldn't it? Yeah absolutely um, and I think you're right when you say that the, the people of Cork um, have strong support for the Debenhams workers and what they're aiming to do in fact not only have they had to fight for uh, their rights as workers over a period of 12 months. They've had to do it uh, at a time of a global pandemic. Uh, And I have no doubt that if there wasn't a global pandemic and level five restrictions, which are keeping people at home, that we would have seen many, many thousands of people on the streets uh, showing their active support for the Debenhams workers and sending a clear message to uh, the Taoiseach and the government that it is not acceptable that they continue to sit on the fence and refuse to bring in new legislation to improve workers' rights in liquidation situations. And that legislation must happen now. It's an idea whose time has come, thanks in large measure, to uh, the, the, the work that the women and the workers at Debenhams have done over the last 12 months. Okay, talk me through and tell me a little bit about your bill and how your bill would protect employees during a liquidation? Sure, it's a simple bill. Uh, It's a short bill. Uh, And essentially, uh, Patricia would do two things. First of all, it would say that where you have a liquidation and a liquidation pot and payouts to be made, that the group that would be at the front of the queue would be the workers themselves. At the moment, uh, it's state institutions like the revenue commissioners. It would put the workers at the top of the list. And the second thing that it would do uh, is it would uh, say that where there is a a collective redundancy agreement, such as Debenhams had in place with staff for four weeks um, uh, redundancy in the event of, of, of redundancies having to take place, that the collective redundancy agreement in a liquidation situation would be given the status of a debt. So that would improve the bargaining position of the workers and their representatives in that situation as well. It's not the only piece of legislation um, which is going to be presented uh, in the next term of the doll. I understand that Sinn Féin are putting forward a bill which is very similar. Um, I'll be happy to support the Sinn Féin legislation as well, and they've indicated that they'll be supporting uh, ours, and hopefully uh, the pressure on the government is only going to increase on this front. What's your gut instinct? How do you see the whole Debenham situation panning out, Mick? My gut instinct is um, that the workers have been boxed into a corner, uh, that they are now in a very difficult situation. Um, The uh, lack of response and the hardline approach of the government is a factor in that. I also have to say that I think that their union and the trade union movement more generally could and should have done more uh, to support them. So I think they are in a corner, they are in a difficult situation. But, as uh, Valerie herself explained there, the workers still 
do have one piece of leverage, and that is the fact that the stock still remains in, we think, seven of the 11 stores, uh, and they're not going to get that stock out uh, easily. Uh, you had a situation in Blanchardstown in Dublin uh, two weeks ago uh, where there was uh, a standoff for five hours from midnight until five in the morning uh, with workers blocking the removal of stock there. Uh, we saw uh, the intervention of the Garda, uh, who physically uh, lifted um, uh, women, mothers, grandmothers, picketers, and their supporters um, from the ground who were blocking the trucks and allowed the trucks to go through. Uh, but I think it will be more difficult for them to do that in the bigger stores, like uh, Henry Street in Dublin and Patrick Street in Cork. And I think the workers are in a mind to resist any attempts to yeah, have uh, yeah, because, because I know that the liquidators obtained injunctions restraining certain parties uh, from impeding the, uh, the liquidation and they managed to get the stock out it cleared the stock out of some of the stores which then obviously they went on and sold. So they want that stock. The liquidator wants the stock, yeah. Uh, and uh, in fact Debenhams in the UK um still have an eye on the stock because they're having closing down sales over there and they'd like to get their hands on it. Um, uh, and there's a certain dispute between the liquidator here and, and Debenhams uh, in the UK. But I think the view of the workers and their supporters will be that that stock should go towards uh, improving the redundancy uh, package for the workers, um, that the stock is the redundancy package for the workers, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And uh, unless the commitments are given, uh, it, it, it should be um, blocked from being removed from the shops. And it's, it's, at the end of the day, it's a thousand workers. It isn't a huge number that we're talking about here. No, uh, it, it's not a huge number of uh, workers, although it is the case, you would have to say, that um, Debenhams is probably only step one in the retail jobs massacre, uh, we've already seen 450 plus uh, redundancies in the Arcadia Group, which includes, you know, Dorothy Perkins, Evans's Top Shop, yeah. uh, and um, there'll be many more to come. It doesn't take a rocket scientist when we come out, out of so, the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how yeah. the Debenhams workers fare? Um, it's a little bit of a litmus test for how uh, other workers are going to be treated, and is yet another reason why they shouldn't be left to stand alone and they deserve the support of every worker and every ordinary person. Okay, all right. We'll uh, follow your bill with a keen interest. And Mick, in the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is Solidarity People for Profit, uh, TD Deputy Mick Barry. James Imbrury uh, on Debenhams. He says, I feel the company are in breach of an agreement they made with the workers. I feel the government should have spoken out more on behalf of the workers. And back last year, when the workers were protesting in Dublin, the Gardaí seemed to be more worried and checking up where the workers outside of their 5k while the big man gets away with it it's the small man i.e. in this case the Debenhams workers who always seem to get hit with all of the punishments 1850 333 103 John Paul continues to take your calls you can text her WhatsApp 0862 
103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Thank you. You can see a number of people texting and commenting, just showing their support for the Debenhams uh, workers and people uh, shocked at the weekend when they discovered that they have been a year campaigning for a fair redundancy and people wanting to wish each and every one of those workers the very, very best. Now, as we've been mentioning all morning, it was with great regret we heard of the passing of Joe McCarthy. Joe McCarthy was a founding director of this radio station at 103 and of course for many years he presented the programme the Screech programme here on C103 County Sound as it was known uh, known as uh, in the time and his funeral will take place in West Cork at one o'clock today. John Green is the presenter of Where the Road Takes Me and actually John joins me from Ballinascarthy this morning in advance of the funeral uh, cortege passing through Ballinascarthy. Good morning to you John. Uh, good morning, and, and you, you're welcome uh, to the programme. Now, John would have been my partner in crime over 30 years ago when the radio station first, uh, when C103 first uh, started uh, in Bandon. And Joe was was at the heart of that, wasn't it? And, and one of the driving forces behind getting County Sound on air in West Cork. Oh, he was, Patricia, yeah, very much so. And uh, it goes even further back than that because it goes back to the days of WKLR and um, as I said yesterday when I began the Irish Sunday programme here from our West Coast studio and I began by paying tribute to Joe and I mentioned that it goes much further back to WKLR because back then Joe was absolutely adamant that West Cork deserved a radio station or not deserved but was entitled to a radio station and then of course when uh, County Sound initially was born and C103 um, he went along with that very much so and he supported the station very much so as a county station but I you know I was only thinking this morning if people really knew the amount of time and work and uh, hours he put into getting a radio station uh, number one for West Cork and then supporting County Sound initially and C103 then It's just unbelievable. I mean, Joe had a farm to run, he had a family, and he spent every single moment of his free time uh, supporting the station, fighting for it, cajoling, telephone people, campaigning, canvassing TDs, canvassing all types of politicians. It's it's just frightening the amount of time that this man uh, put into getting a radio station for West Cork initially and Cork County then. And actually, and there was nobody was more proud on that day in November in 1990 when County Sound went on air in West Cork. I don't think there was anyone more proud than Joe was. And actually we have just a very short clip from Joe at the opening of the radio station in November of 1990. It came in a time when the people felt that the national network neither reflected their views or served their needs. In an age of modern technology has brought the world and all its wonders into each home at the flick of a switch. It is vitally important that one of these switches bring us the channel which reflects ourselves. Just to hear hear his voice. And he had a great love of radio, didn't he? Oh, he did. Um, You know, I mean, just listening to that piece there, Patricia, and you can feel 
the passion in his voice. Uh, you can just, by listening to him there, and that you, um, a minute or so of what he had to say, you could just feel how passionate he was about uh, getting radio. And as you said, he was like a child on Christmas morning uh, that day when the, the station opened in, in November of that year. Uh, it, it, he was just, I, I think everybody was so pleased uh, to see the radio station start, but so pleased for Joe as well, bearing in mind the amount of work he had put into it. Yeah, and his, let's think of his wife, um, Eileen, today. I mean, she was a great woman because, as you say, I mean, he had a big family. He He's ten children. Ten, so, yeah, yeah. so while he was out on the highways and byways of West Cork, and he did travel highways and byways to sell the radio station and to raise the funds that was needed at the time, it was, she was at home raising the kids. Yeah, she was. And, you know, she was with him a lot of the time as well. And, you know... Nobody knows what both Joe and Eileen have been through health-wise over the last few years. And um, I would meet their daughter, Lily, regularly in Bandon, and Lily would give me an update. And they really had a very, very tough time uh, health-wise over the past few years. And, you know, people might say that yesterday was a happy day for Joe. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't, but it wasn't a happy day for his family because I know the family pretty well. They're very, very united. They're totally dedicated to each other, to their parents, and they're going to feel this heartbroken. You know, a hell of a lot. Oh, heartbroken. Ha- absolutely, absolutely heartbroken. Yeah. Yeah. And Joe celebrated his 90th birthday a couple of weeks ago and actually I put a phone call through to him just to say happy birthday. I had the day wrong. I missed it by a day. But I couldn't get over. I knew he'd been unwell but I couldn't get over. His mind was as sharp and we had such fun reminiscing about what it was like when the radio station first came on air and the first couple of years of it. And it was his laughter and his fun. And that's something that those of us who were blessed to have known Joe and to say we could call Joe McCarthy a friend, his sense of humour and his sense of crack. Yeah, I mean, you know, he was a thundering rogue. But a thunder, <laughs> you know, there's no getting away from it. You know, there was a glint of mischief in his eye every time you met him. But, you know, thundering rogue in the most beautiful and pleasant manner that you could imagine. There was nothing ever offensive about Joe or what he had to say. It was all fun and it was meant to make you laugh and have a good bit of fun and a good bit of crack. That was Joe in a nutshell, you know. Yeah, he really, he really was great. And... Obviously, and sadly, because of the pandemic, there can only be a very small private funeral. It struck me as I was thinking about him this morning, that funeral would have been huge had it been in normal times. Oh, it would have been just massive, you know, because he was so popular, so well known. And apart from his work and support of radio, he was very much involved in community uh, work as well. And he did an awful lot for the the parish and the local uh, area. And, you know, he was living in in Mountine and Balnascarthy, but he was originally from a place called Dunamore in Barry Row. Lislevan, yeah. Yeah, so that's where he's being buried today in Lislevan Cemetery. But uh, the amount of work he did for his local community, he was always involved in fundraising and DVDs and fundraising CDs and all that sort of thing. There was no sitting down or sitting back in his laurels for Joe. And he presented the Screox. He did. He presented the screen. And uh, in fact, the guy, the man that was his sound technician is in fact parked in front of me here now uh, in a blue Skoda Octavia uh, in Ballinascarthy village. And I remember one day, uh, it was a Sunday, and um, 
I had finished the Irish Sunday programme in our West Cork studio and I got a phone call to say that the two of them were heading for Bear Island and they wanted to know would I like to come along with them. They were a party-ish Greek in Bear Island and I said I'd love to. And of course Joe drove uh, and we went into Bear Island and it was a day tinged with I suppose we didn't know it at the time sadness and happiness as well because there was a young girl a 13-year-old girl that evening I think it was a Sunday evening. A thirteen year it was a Sunday evening, yeah. Thirteen year old girl who uh, participated in the script that evening and the following Thursday, uh, both she and her dad were drowned in the Barrett Island ferry tragedy, oh along my with two goodness. others. You know? Oh um, my goodness. So, you know, little did we know when we left Bear Island in such good form and we went back to Castledown Bear and of course Joe said, Come on, we'll go for a drink and Joe never drank in his life, so the two of us, myself and Mr. Aidan O'Rourke, went in uh, with Joe and ended up, uh, Mr. O'Rourke, up on a stool. Um, the Baron question, McCarthy's Bar in Castleton Bear, um, Adrian, who runs that bar, her dad was the famous Dr. Aidan McCarthy, who was who won so many bravery awards during World War Two, and his stethoscope was behind the, the counter, and Aidan got the stethoscope, put it around his neck, got up on a stool and sang, Oh, Doctor, I'm in trouble. Oh, goodness <laughs> gracious me. Stay there because the bow Aidan O'Rourke is on the uh, the other line oh, from, that, from that car in front of you. Uh, we were just talking about you, Aidan, there singing, Oh, Doctor, I'm in trouble. Uh, we're, we're remembering, good morning to you, we're, we're remembering with great fondness, uh, Joe McCarthy. You must have had great memories travelling around as a sound engineer. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you now, uh, Patricia, he was just such a character. We had tremendous times and great laughs. Um, we, we went, as John has said there, we were in, in, in Bear Island. That was a, a, a memorable outing. But we also went to IRE's and we stayed overnight there and we had a wonderful times. In fact, there was a, a lady, her radio, she said, wasn't going very well. And uh, Joe said, I'll get the sound engineer for you. Uh, we advised her to put a bit of wire out a window onto a tree, but to take it in if there was lightning. So, so you know, we had great laughs and great times. <laughs> he was he was he was a fantastic uh, character, um, uh, Aidan, and a friend to everyone. I made the point this morning. I don't think I have ever met anyone who had a bad word to say about Joe McCarthy. Uh, Joe was a thorough gentleman. He was a, he was an absolute gentleman to, to right to his backbone. And and he was the type of guy, you know, if you needed something done, bring Joe and he'd see after you. He was a fantastic community man. He was a great all-rounder, really, you know. Um, I, I, I'd have to say about Joe, you know, going in the car with him, listening to his stories and telling you about the old times and his love of keeping that, that old times stories and that alive and the music and, and the poems was absolutely tremendous. Yeah. And, and, of course... Like, you'd go to a place, and that time, Patricia, you didn't have have rehearsals. It was all done, and you had to do a bit of fine-tuning after. And we met some great characters on the way, some with great voices, and some, I'm afraid, they needed another bit of birdseed. And, and, uh, John, let's not forget um, Joe's love of traditional Irish music. Oh, yeah, I mean... 
yesterday morning when on the Irish Sunday programme here from our West Cork studio when I paid tribute to him. And when I finished, I said, I'm not going to play anything sad or appropriate for the, for the day. I played a selection of jigs and I said that he can dance his way to heaven, <laughs> you know. That's really sweet. That's really sweet. OK, and you're you're both parked now in uh, Ballinascarthy and I imagine there will be a lot of people along the, the funeral cortege uh, today. As yeah, it, and as I'd, I'd, I'd like to say about Mr O'Rourke, the way he parked his car, I'd nearly need a can opener to get out. <laughs> on that happy note I'll leave, I'll leave both of you uh, working at how one is going to get out of the other of that situation but listen thank you both thank, and no it was, uh, really was a pleasure uh, for us to remember the, the late great uh, Joe McCarthy and Mary in Clonakilty says Patricia please don't forget that Joe was very involved with the pioneers as well I mean yeah uh, John Green touched on that by saying I don't I don't know if John if Joe ever drank I mean certainly for as long as I knew the man uh, he never drank and there is some emails in that I want to give a mention to. This is from uh, Kate who says, on behalf of all of the organisations in Ballinascarthy and Clagoch areas, I'd like to pay tribute to our own Joe McCarthy, a true gentleman, a man of many talents who brought sunshine to the lives of so many with his accordion playing, his singing and his storytelling. He certainly lit up a lot of winter nights with his scraped programmes on the radio. He will be so missed by Eileen and his family and by our local community also. We treasure the memories and the legacy he left behind Rest peacefully, Joe, in your beloved Barry Rowe, or yesterday, Gorevananam Dealish, and that's uh, coming in on behalf of, from the Ballinascarthy and uh, Clagoch areas. Thank you, Kate, for that. And Councillor John O'Sullivan says the passing of the late Joe McCarthy leaves a big void in the community life in West Cork and beyond. Born in Dunamore in Barry Rowe, he moved to Ballinascarthy nearly 50 years ago. His passion for community and especially community radio was absolute. He spent years working for fundraising and contributing to the establishment of local radio. He loved traditional Irish music and folklore and participated in music and drama productions with his usual good humour and dedication. As an individual he was personable and caring and always had a jovial word for everyone. Today his funeral mass will take place in Clagoch Church and he'll return to his native Barry Row for burial in Lislavan Cemetery. And that's from Councillor John uh, O'Sullivan and thank you uh, for those emails into Patricia at c103.ie You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed John O'Brien has just sent in a quick WhatsApp to when we were paying tribute to uh, Joe McCarthy. He says, Patricia, I'd like to take the opportunity to play tri- tribute to Joe Mac and his wife Eileen. Would be a cousin of mine. Joe recorded the Screech in the schools uh, many years ago and John has fond memories of it. May he rest in uh, peace. Thank you for that, uh, John. Now, I can see a number of WhatsApps coming in and texts coming in for Annalise Drisella, a nutrition therapist. If you have a question for Annalise, get it into us, please. You can call John Paul 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Other texts coming into us. Uh, local resident says, Patricia, I'm just wondering, did any, did many other people come across what I can only describe as a huge crowd of road bowlers yesterday, Sunday, at Temple Michael White's Cross. It was about four o'clock yesterday afternoon. There must have been about 200 people in the group. No COVID regulations in place that I could see that barely get out of the way 
display of the car. They're there seven days a week. They have no cop on, says a local resident. Did anybody else come across that road? Bowlers in Temple Michael in White's Cross uh, yesterday. And then there's a couple of people on about vaccinations and wondering what's happening with vaccinations. Let me get you some of the texts that we're getting in. Hi Patricia, is there any news on when the 55-year-old age group will get their vaccination? Because what if they want to go somewhere, say, like a trip to the cinema or to a restaurant or any other place else? They'll need a certificate or a card to say they've been fully vaccinated and they'll have none because they won't have been vaccinated yet. It's all not going to be fair at all. We're all being locked up now for over a year and still the government keep adding things to stop us enjoying ourselves. That's from Martin in uh, Formoy. And then another listener wants to know about the vaccination clinic in Ahamilla in West Cork. A listener says you has heard that you need to register next Monday the 19th of April. Do we have the number where you can register? It's for somebody in the 65 to 69 year old age group. I would be grateful for any information uh, please. Okay, we know that they are with the rollout of the vaccine at the moment they're still giving the vaccination to people most at risk of COVID-19 there's still people in the over 70s groups that are still waiting to get their vaccine and there has been some delays with GP practices which has just been really unfortunate I heard for example of somebody on Saturday an elderly couple who were due to get their vaccination all excited going to their local GP to get their vaccination and they got a phone call on Saturday morning from the GP practice to say really sorry we're hoping to vaccinate 90 people today and I think something only like 50 vaccines arrive so 40 people on the list had to get a phone call to say no point coming we don't have a vaccine for you and that's been really frustrating and I feel so sorry for the GP practices that are put in that position as well but that's with the logistics and the way the rollout of the vaccine has been unfortunately that's the way it has been so they're still working through the over 70s and they are still uh, going through the people who are most at risk of uh, vaccine and then they're going to once all of them are done, they're then just about at the stage where they will be going by age group. And obviously the first age group will be the 65 to 69. And I think the last I saw when I was looking into this over the weekend was I think they're going to do it in 10 year blocks. So it would be like 55 year olds to 64 year olds and then it'll go down 10 years. I think that's the way that they're looking at at doing it. But you don't need to contact anyone at this stage to get your COVID-19 vaccine. We will be told when to register and where to register. It'll either be through a healthcare team or it'll be on the news or there'll be public advertising that will be running ads. Certainly we'll be running ads here at the radio station. So the portal that will go live now over the weekend, I heard it was going live this week. And then John Paul said he heard it was going live next week. So we haven't got a firm date on when the portal will go live. And the portal is where you will go onto the internet, you'll register all of your details, and then you'll wait. You'll register to say, yes, I'm of this age. Yes, I want my vaccine. And then they'll contact you to say when your vaccination is ready and where you're going to need to go for your vaccine, whether it is to one of the vaccination centres that are dotted around the city and county and indeed all over the country. You may be sent to your local GP. You won't know until your vaccine is ready for you as to when when you can actually go. So, no, we're not. they're not registering yet. But as soon as we know that the registration is available, believe me, we will be only too delighted to be sharing that telephone number with everyone. So just hang in there. They're getting to the stage where it will be done by age group and it will get their 
soon fingers crossed I mean they're still saying that everyone should have everyone who wants a vaccine should have their first vaccine by the end of June and if that's the case then they really need to start the vaccination process for the age group for the lower age group but at the moment they're still working through the over 70s and still working through those who are most at risk of getting very seriously unwell if they got uh, COVID. So hang in there. Okay, all their questions for Annalise. Thank you for that. Paddy and Kilmalik says, what a woman Rachel Blackmore is. Great to see women competing on a level par with men. That's from Paddy. The easing of restrictions, says another listener, will make no difference to the terrace where I live. Why? Because certain people have never stuck to any of the rules. Five and six people in and out of each other's homes for hours and hours on end every day. What a laugh, says this listener. They never abided by level five restrictions. A Fomoy listener says, delighted to see all of the children heading back to school and it's about time that schools fully reopened for all pupils. I'm sick of seeing school goers, teenagers hanging around getting up to all sorts. I am delighted that schools have reopened and young people have gone back, says a Fomoy listener. And then somebody else wants to comment on Claire Daly and Mick Wallace. Claire Daly and Mick Wallace didn't bother too much about restrictions on their recent trip to Iraq. More in their line to stay at home and set a good example. What business have our representatives meddling in other countries' business? They should be forced to resign over this. What they did is worse than what Phil Hogan did. And we all remember what happened with Phil Hogan. And he was forced to uh, resign. And actually, Claire Daly and Mick Wallace, of course, both uh, MEPs. And I saw a spokesperson for the European Parliament saying that the visit that Claire Daly and Mick Wallace did to Iraq was organised in a private capacity. It wasn't part of an official European Parliament delegation and they were at pains to point out they do not represent the Parliament because when I heard last week about this trip to Iraq, I assumed that it was something to do with the European Parliament because they were MEPs, but the European Parliament have come out and said no, nothing to do with us. They went in a private capacity and actually a spokesperson for the European Parliament pointed out that all European Parliament committee trips and interparliamentary delegations inside and outside the EU have all been cancelled due to the pandemic. So they are the European Parliament certainly distancing themselves from Claire Daly and Mick Wallace and their decision to go to uh, Iraq. They were there to criticise American foreign policy in the region. And here's one of our listeners feel that what they did was worse than what Phil Hogan did. Phil Hogan resigned over Golfgate and uh, by going along to that golf meeting, which was in breach of COVID restrictions. This listener feels what they did was even worse. They left the country completely and went to Iraq and got involved in foreign travel when it was against even what the European Parliament believed in. Uh, and should they resign because of it? 1850 333 103. John Paul continues to take your calls, your texts and WhatsApps or continue to be welcomed at 0862 103 103, particularly if you've got a question for Anne-Lise, our nutritional therapist. Now, as we've been mentioning all morning, the five kilometre restriction on travel is lifted today. Well, our senior news reporter, Fiona Corcoran, we sent her down to Fountainstown as uh, people decided to visit the coast uh, to see how people were getting on on their first day out and about. It's fantastic. I actually wasn't going to come because it's so cold, but my friend persuaded me. So we've spent the last 20 minutes 
getting used to the cold, but it is absolutely fantastic. The sun is shining. As my friend says, it's like a summer's day. Did you get into the sea? Absolutely. Yeah. Up to, yeah. <laughs> and a couple of minutes down, I had to get the shoulders and the neck down. And uh, yeah, it was fantastic. Have you missed coming to the beach? Yeah, it's the one thing I'd say this year has been difficult for everybody and the the sea is kind of therapeutic for everybody. So, yes, definitely missed it. We've the last day we came here, I think was was it Stephen's day or Christmas day. And so just to be able to get into the car and come down here now and Absolutely. It's travel within your county. So, yeah. thank God we can we can do it now and at it least it's like we're uh, things are looking up like we're able to travel within our county and we have the sun shining today yes and and we got rid of the kids back to school so <laughs> that's what i was saying i bet you everybody is just dumping the kids off at school gates and racing off to the beach that's that's it what what more could you want it feels great yeah just um totally totally free um i went into the water there so it was beautiful. Yeah, facing the sun. The sun's out today. Fantastic. Is it cold? <laughs> um, well, I had a wetsuit on, so I was kind of cheating. But um, yeah, it was a bit chilly. But once you're down and the sun is out, it makes things a lot easier, do you know. What is it about the beach that you missed so much? Um, I suppose the sea air and um, yeah, that just the water, the whole the sense of being in the water, do you know. Um, and yeah, just being more connected to the surrounding areas and everything so yeah just uh yeah the freedom of it freedom yeah how difficult has the last couple of months been just traveling staying within your 5k or has it been difficult even um well i'm very lucky i'm living in dripsy so i'm surrounded by like lovely woodlands within the 5k um so i haven't been that badly affected to be honest um but yeah i did miss the water yeah it's lovely to be outside of the 5k on a sunny day like today anyway have yeah. you missed the beach? Yes, yeah, we only live up the road, um, but just too far outside of the the, the restrictions. So it's nice to be able to pop down today when it's quiet as well. It's not too bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what has it been, what is it about the, be- the beach that you love so much and that you miss so much? I think we're all just kind of dying to get to the beach. What is it about it? It's just so relaxing. <laughs> it's just lovely to see the water again. Yeah, we would have done a lot of swimming last year and the year before, so... You know, it's nice to know that maybe we can get back into it again. And do you think that it's that this is what you've missed most has been stuck within your five kilometres over the last while? I think so, yeah. Just new places to go and, you know, uh, stuff that's nearly on your doorstep, but just a little bit out of reach. It's nice to get back to it. Oh, it's amazing to come down and just to see the water and have the wind in her hair. And uh, my little girl, Rose, is three and she loves being by the beach so to have not been here for the last number of months has been you know very tough but we're absolutely thrilled so we're in the car at nine o'clock this morning straight down little baby asleep in the buggy so we're delighted and having our picnic and our little paddle it's it's amazing and it's great that we have the sunshine today as well oh sure you couldn't have picked a better day and the wind is nice and gentle so you can actually feel the heat on her face so looking better days are ahead and better things are coming so bring on the summer <laughs> do you think that that's been one of the hardest things is being able to not being able to go outside our five kilometers for the last couple of months it has it's been very tough and very challenging for people um and I think that, you know, people were kind of at breaking points. So I'm delighted now that the 5K has been lifted and people can move because people have, you know, there's a lot going on and people have very tough situations. So to be able to travel and meet people outside now again and have picnics and especially for kids to be around with their friends, um, you know, to be able to meet up with another family and come to the beach or go to the park. It's brilliant. It's great. 
totally envious of those people who managed to make it to the sea uh, today. I hope they are enjoying themselves. It's nippy, but once you wrap up warm, but to hear the waves, wasn't that fantastic at the start of that piece that Fiona recorded? Our thanks to uh, Fiona Corkin, our senior news reporter, heading just to Fountainstown just for the day that was in it to see that people uh, go out to the sea and they certainly did. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme. If you or anyone you know needs help in accessing non-emergency and non-medical supports or advice, see corkcoco.ie. The Cork Deaf Association, they're offering free online classes in mindfulness for people who suffer with tinnitus. It's every Tuesday evening from 5 to 7pm and it is starting tomorrow, Tuesday, the 13th of April. If you'd like more information, you can contact Sarah at the Cork at corkdeaf.ie or call 083 027 6098. And June and Tony Connolly are fundraising for My Canine Companion, a charity that provides ter- therapy dog services and autism awareness programs. They also help hope to help their 11-year-old son James who's non-verbal and will gratefully benefit from their services. They plan to virtually walk from Mizzenhead to Malinhead and are asking for your support by donating to their campaign. You can see all their details on their social media sites. Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie I want to go to the phone lines because... Catherine in Glengariff uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Catherine. Uh, good morning, Patricia, and thank you for ringing me oh. back, well, particularly John Paul. I'll explain that um, I'm looking for a, a, a puppy okay. uh, for two reasons. First, my grandson has um, leukaemia. He's in Our Lady's Hospital uh, in Dublin. And, um, you know, he's a great little soldier and all that. But he's feeling lonely because, you know, he's not back, obviously, in school. And um, whereas I cannot see him at the moment, the the, when, please God, everything, we can see more more of each other because I'm in Glengarriff and he's in Dublin but I have promised him that um, well with the permission of his mum my daughter that um, we would get him um, a little border collie puppy okay uh, and um, I, and the, I, the idea is that the, the puppy would live with you in Glengarriff and it's when he comes down to visit exactly or if I'm allowed you know eventually up to Dublin I will bring the puppy up with me but yes because um, you know a border collie uh, I live I guess a bit in the mountain and um, you know he'd have more freedom as opposed to being up in Dublin you know I think yeah. that um, you know the, the, the where I live would be more suitable and for walking and all this sort of thing but I mean uh, the the excitement, you know, he's he's quite ill, obviously, unfortunately, with this whole thing. But when I speak with him about this, you know, I mean, with his mum's permission, as I say, it is it has perked him up so much. And to be honest with you, uh, I live alone, and um, between the two of us, we're so looking forward to hoping that we will get this little puppy. And a border, and and you particularly want a border collie. Why? 
why? Because a border collie could almost speak with you. I've had one before, you know, and um, uh, unfortunately after 15 years she sort of passed and um, you know they're, they're dogs that you know they can almost speak to you and um, you know as I say I live on my own I have no company so um, I suppose I'm, I, I, you know I can I just absolutely well I love animals in particular all you know but I mean I, I think that um, you know border collies are so um they're intelligent, intelligent they so are. Intuitive, you know. Yeah. That, um, and yes, he will be staying with me um, in the country because I think that, um, you know, it would be more suitable for them. But I mean, it will. he will come down to me as often as possible. And, um, well, I will go to Dublin more. And you, you're particularly looking for a pup. It has to be a young dog. Yes, but not now wood from these puppy farms okay. or anything. You know, it would, um, you know, if a dog is, um, you know, uh, you know, timid and all the rest of it. I have all the time in the world, if you like, to, um, you, you know, to sort of give the dog confidence because, um, uh, you know, a, a puppy can be nervous coming to someone. So, um, you know, I, I am... Um, I will have all the time to. Yeah. And give you're, my you're a dog devotion. lover and you, you have the experience. So the shout out is to anyone who has had a litter of Border Collies. Yeah, I mean, that's really what. Sh- that's what we're yeah, looking for today. Have you tried any of the animal, uh, animal rescues? Well, you know, I, I, I did try. Um, and one of them um, sort of said that they are not open. Oh, under level five, maybe they're uh, not. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's yeah. possible. That that, that that is possible. And Camille, tell me about Ryan. How long has he been? When did he get diagnosed with leukemia? Uh, well, I, I'll tell you. You know, I'm to be honest with you. Sometimes I don't even know the day of the month. But um, it was uh, about six months ago, and you know. Prior to him being ill, he was sort of saying to his mom, like, I don't feel well and all this sort of thing. And um, I said to Amy, you know, because as I say, I'm living down here and, and she's up in Dublin. I said, you know, Amy, bring him to a doctor bring him, because this is going on a bit too long. So she brought him down to um, Our Lady's Hospital and um, they sort of sent him home, say, you know, with Calpol and um, an inhaler. Uh, you know, and I said, Amy, he doesn't have asthma. Please bring him back again because it's it's really he does not have any of those things that you're saying. I'm not a doctor or anything like that, but um, so she brought him back down again, and um, you know they were spent the whole night. Amy was sitting on the stairs, sort of waiting for him, and they spent the whole night now very diligently, I must say, and and terrific. Um, looking after specifically Ryan and um, next morning I was on the phone with her all the night you know and um, she says to me mom I've just got the news and I said well what is it and she says to me he has leukemia and uh, I, 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 I it was just a shock I mean good lord you know it's a word you don't want to hear in a little 10 year year old boy and then you're in Glengariff you can't even get into the car and drive up to be with her well no this uh, I can't and and, 
you know, now, to be honest with you, when, if I do go, when I when I did <laughs> go to Dublin, like, I mean, it's not a place, I mean, I, I, I lived in Dublin for many years, but, uh, you know, it's changed a lot. So, I mean, when I go up to Dublin, it would be specifically to see uh, my children and my grandchildren. You know, I have a son and a daughter up there. But, um, no, it would it. It is only to see the children because it's gone very boisterous. I mean, like yeah, it's, so it's, it's a busy city. It's a it's a, it's a busy city. And oh, how is Ryan doing, Catherine? Well, you know, thank God, I mean, like I I give you an example. There was one night I I was sort of we we speak every day on the phone. I'm not into all the Zoom thing and all the rest yeah. of it, you know. And I could he, he was crying, and I said, "So what's wrong with your pet?" And uh, he was going down for a lumbar puncture, in other words, so he had to be fasting. I said, I'm starving. You know, and he, <laughs> I said, God, hell, I, I was sort of laughing. And I said, well, what would you like, cheese? And he said, I want your bacon and cabbage and mashed potatoes, you know. I mean, good Lord, the poor child. Yeah, you know? typical child, a typical boy. But treatment is going well, is it, Catherine? Oh, it is. And, you know, I was speaking with John Paul earlier and, you know, he's such um, a... John Paul gave me the right word. Um, um, He he, he doesn't give in to things like, I mean, he's um, strong, strong in personality, in other words. I do believe that... The, the doctor can, you know, doctors are fantastic, but the him him himself, um, you know, he's he has the strength to um, half the battle is between the doctor and the patient. If you understand what I'm saying, yeah, he's got know? a good strong fighting spirit. That's it exactly. Yeah. And, All right. Um, Oh, okay. You know, well, listen. You we've you've child. you've sold the story well. We've put the shout out. If anybody has a border collie or knows of a border collie pup going to a good home, because it does sound like it'll go to a wonderful home with you in Glengariff, Catherine. We have all your details. We'll keep in contact uh, with you. And listen, send on our best wishes to your daughter and to young Ryan. And we do yeah. wish him a, a speedy, speedy recovery. You look after Please yourself, God. okay? Thank you okay. very much. God bless. You and God bless. For bringing me back. No problem. Bye. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Sheila reckons uh, she wouldn't be. She would. She would say to Catherine, "Don't get a border collie. They have got their own mind too much. And those you see and and to hear you saying they can almost talk to you, talk to you. You're right, but they are highly trained. They need far more exercise and stimulation than other breeds, and can actually, Sheila reckons, be snappy with children. It will be far better for Catherine to go for a Labrador or a Golden Retriever for her grandson. There's some advice coming in from uh, Sheila. 1850 uh, Questions coming in for Annalise. We're going to get to those but I just want to get to a text from a listener. This is when I was talking about waiting for the vaccination for people want to register to say that they want the vaccine and that registration portal hasn't gone live yet online. Uh, a listener says, Hi Patricia, just not wanting to sound paranoid or anything but I think us born in 1956 are on some kind of a blacklist every time they alter the pension age they always seem to draw the line at those that were born in 1956 and now with the vaccine we're the ones just outside the cut-off point before the next group starts why oh why didn't my parents get a bit jiggy a year earlier If you're looking for plump lips that last you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 1850-333-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Annalise Drussell of the healthhubstore.com uh, joins me for our weekly nutritional slot. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. And let's get straight into uh, questions. Elaine was on to say, could Annalise recommend a good moisturising cream for skin, especially skin on the face? Well, I'm a big fan of the, um, two brands, particularly for myself, Patricia. One of them is Trilogy, which uses rosehip oil, and there's very little nasties. There's no chemicals at all, really, in their cream. And they do a lovely um, moisturising cream for the face with a factor 15 in there for the daytime. If your skin is very sensitive to sun cream, I have no problem with that one, and I would be generally very poor with sun cream. So that's a lovely brand, but there's an Irish brand that is also beautiful and it's lovely to support Irish and it's by a company called Kinvara. They're based up in Galway, I think, and they do a range of natural um, face creams and they do a day and night cream, which is beautiful, but they also have the most divine smelling serum for kind of giving your face a good night treatment Um, and they do a, a few other lovely products as well, but I could highly recommend those. Um, and then if you're looking for something really cheap and cheerful, always the Walida range is lovely. It's spelled W-E-L-E-D-A. And actually, my father remembers them, Patricia, from when he was a child in Germany. It was the only medicine they had was the Walida homeopathy. So they've been around for a very yeah. long time 
with natural products. And they do a, um, a moisturiser called Skin Food, which is beautifully moisturising and it's very cheap. You'll get a little uh, thing of that for about eleven ninety five. OK, lots of suggestions there. An email in from Valerie. I wonder if you could help, please. My elderly father, aged 91, has lost all interest in food and is actually losing weight because of it. He says that all food tastes foul to him. I'm wondering if you could have any advice or help to encourage him to eat. So I wonder, Patricia, is he getting maybe a little bit of acid reflux? Um, And it can be silent as well. Sometimes people don't get that burning sensation, but it can sometimes make you feel, you know, not like eating. You you feel better when you don't eat. And also could give you a nasty taste in your mouth, especially when you wake up in the morning. So that could be a possibility. Uh, It could also be um, a lack of taste, you know, that often happens after a cough or a cold and particularly as well with COVID now, a lot of people will be familiar with it. So I think when people's appetites are poor, the best way to try and feed them up is to use a high calorie smoothie because it's something that can be sipped very gently and slowly. Um, so it's very easy on the stomach. So I would make a high calorie smoothie with some um, whey powder or some other type of protein powder. Now, I sell one in the shop here. It's called. Um, it's by a company called Terra Nova. And it's called Life Drink. It's actually protein with lots of nutrients in there. So it's a really super build up after people have been sick or if their appetite is poor. And I'd mix that in with um, an avocado, a banana, some berries. And you could use, if you really have some yogurt as well, that would bring up the calories in it. And if you wanted to put in a spoon maybe of coconut oil or a spoon of olive oil just to get the fat in. And blend all of that up. And it's a very high calorie smoothie. So it's going to nourish and help put weight back on at the same time. And very easy to drink and as you say you could, you could be sipping away at it. Absolutely. Yeah, it doesn't have yeah. to be taken all at once. You can, you know, spend an hour sipping it down. Okay, good luck with that, uh, Valerie. Eileen in Clonakilty, question for Annalise, please. What would uh, Annalise recommend to help the healing of a lower leg skin after a bad scald? No more dressings needed now, thankfully, but I'm wondering is there anything I could do to help to repair the skin after a bad scald? Yes, and a vitamin E is always very good, Patricia, and you'll get a vitamin E cream in any health shop. But my absolute favourite for wound healing is one of Dr. Delish Clare's. She's actually got two of them. She's got an anti-scar cream and she also has a healing cream. So either of those would do the job. They're both very similar. I think with the healing cream, there is a little bit of St. John's wort, which I think is fantastic for... um, for damaged skin, you know, to help it knit back together properly again. So if you can get your hands on the Dr. Delish Clare Healing Cream or the Anti-Scar Cream and failing that, just any cream with vitamin E in it. The bio oil, I'm afraid, is not a natural product. And I know a lot of people go for that, but there won't be any vitamin E in it. So um, go for something very simple from the health shop with vitamin E. Okay, now this is something I think a lot of people will possibly identify with. Hi, can Annalise help, please? I just feel down for no reason. Maybe it's because I'm stressed at work, I don't know. But even when I'm off, I seem to always be in bad form. I think a lot of people will identify with that kind of low mood at the moment. Absolutely, Patricia. And I've seen so much of it this year. Um, And even people who have, you know, have really still been able to get up and go into work and you know, whose families haven't been affected by a family member getting COVID still are feeling very low. And I think it's a lot to do with the amount of stress and fear. I read a very good article actually about COVID where it was explaining the link with anxiety. And it's like, it's just 
we're bombarded with negative information on the radio and on the news and it's always the number of people with COVID and the number of deaths from COVID and there's nothing about the number of people surviving COVID or the number of people who get it are fine. So it's like we're in a constant flight or fight um, and we, you know, and there's no sort of positive news and I think now the fact that we've got a little bit of positivity and able to travel within our county will help some people but I think the best thing to do in this case is to um, support the body as if you were supporting it for stress because I think that's really what the root cause of all of this low mood is. I think it's, you know, that permanent niggly stress that's been going on since last March. So some of my favourite herbs for stress are ashwagandha and rhodiola. You can get a Viridian product called Enhanced Rhodiola Complex, and that has both of them in there. But you can also get ashwagandha and rhodiola on its own. And these will help you, these will help lift your mood in that they will increase your body's capacity to cope with stress. The B vitamins are always very good as well for anything um, to do with, you know, low energy, low mood and nervous system function. So a good B complex will help. And if you can get one with magnesium in it, even better. And I think do nice things for yourself. I mean, I think it's about having to maybe make some plans. That's what a lot of people are missing, the inability to be able to plan a nice trip or a nice meal with family. Nothing to look forward to. Nothing to look forward to. So try and find a few things to look forward to. A nice walk on the beach. I think always, if you get out into nature, it's good for lifting the mood. Yeah, but you're not on your own. There's so many people going through it um, as well. Mary in Clannacilty, 70-year-old woman, recently started lots of aches and pains in my joints. Wondering, is there a supplement that I could take to help with it? Yeah, so I think that... um, So there's, there's two reasons that you could have aches and pains in your joints as a woman, and one of them is actually wear and tear arthritis, which would affect men as well. But the other actually is... Um, interestingly menopausal so I see a lot of menopausal women coming in with very sore joints that just develop suddenly Um, and it tends to be you know a movable pain sometimes Patricia so they might have stiff wrists and fingers one day and the next day could be their feet so if you're of menopausal age and you think that might be at the root cause of it taking something natural for menopause is a better way of than taking something to support the joints so you're looking at something that has plant-based hormones in there that will mimic the, your own dropping oestrogen levels in the body. So a good health shop will be able to direct you. Um, there's a couple of very good ones. The NHP Menopause Support or the Dr. A. Vogel is also called Menopause Support. I'll put these up on the website as well in the, um, in the, on the, as mentioned on the radio. And then in terms of supporting achy joints, if it is wear and tear arthritis, I always start people off on a natural anti-inflammatory, Patricia, because there's no point putting in things to help rebuild the joint if the joint is sore, swollen or painful because you need to get the inflammation down first. So two of my favourite supplements for that, one of them is Solgar 7, the number 7, and the other one is um, the Pucca Turmeric Active uh, by a company called Pucca and it's called Turmeric Active. And these have a lovely mix of natural anti-inflammatories that will help bring the pain down first. And then you could go on to something maintenance-wise like glucosamine or collagen. Okay, and Anna in Mitchellstown says, will taking Nourcrin increase facial hair growth? And I've Googled the product. It's, it's for uh, hair loss. It is, and it's one I recommend a lot people for people whose hair is thinning on their scalp and not growing back. So it does encourage hair to regrow. It shouldn't affect, it shouldn't affect your facial hair at all because what it does is it sort of supports the cells that are in the kind of the dormant phase in your hair follicles to kickstart back into 
um, growing again. So you wouldn't have those follicles on your face. So it shouldn't, but I've seen very strange responses to supplements over the years, Patricia, some very unusual ones. So if you do, if you have only noticed it recently, maybe stop taking it for a while. Okay, Tim in Mallow, would you have uh, any advice, please, for an inflamed stomach? Okay, so for there's a couple of things that are very soothing for a, an inflamed stomach. Um, one of them, of course, is the slippery elm. And the lovely thing about slippery elm is that it forms a kind of a mucilage when you take it over your stomach lining. So when you eat and stomach acid is released to digest your food, you've got that lovely thick layer to protect the cells from the release of stomach acid. So I would definitely take that before every meal to just prevent further irritation. And then in terms of healing, you're looking at things like um, BioCare do a lovely product called um, called um, Permatrol, P-E-R-M-A-T-R-O-L. That's very good for gut healing. One of my favorite ones is by Nature's Plus. It's called GI Wellness, and it has a combination of absolutely everything that you could possibly want in there for gut healing. Um, and then Dr. Delish Clare does a slippery on powder that has got marshmallow powder in it. And again, that's wonderful for healing irritated gut. So any of those three products would work. Poor old Jackie's having a tough time. She says, hi, Patricia, I've shingles for the third time in the past 12 months. Now, I've been through a lot of stress lately. She says, death of a loved one and also a house move. Any suggestions on how to prevent getting them into the future? God, three doses of shingles in 12 months. That's tough going. Awful, really awful. So what I normally recommend for people when they're getting over shingles is a combination of the source of life gold because if you've been stressed and run down, you're much more likely to be susceptible to any virus, including shingles. So take a, 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 a dose of that tonic, the source of life gold, just to raise your general kind of nutritional and energy levels. And then I'm a big fan of the olive leaf extract. It's a very powerful natural antiviral. Um, it comes in liquid form or tablet form but if you can take the liquid form it's much much better and I would take that and a good vitamin D supplement Um, there's another lovely immune support supplement that has got some lysine in it which is wonderful for kind of chicken pox shingles and cold sores it's uh, Bionutri is the name of the company and it is the elderberry complex and that has got vitamin D um, and other things in there like beta-glucans, elderberry, lysine, all of those are very powerful antivirals. So that would be a good one to take day by day or the olive leaf extract, either one if you could get them. Okay, now I know we gave advice earlier on moisturiser. A gentleman has said, could Annalise recommend a good moisturiser for a man with dry patches on the temples? Just on the temples. Okay, well, that's an interesting one. I wonder, is it from glasses wearing or anything? Or is there something possibly maybe? I sometimes notice that people around their temple have got very dry skin. And it's actually coming from, um, it's coming from maybe not washing out shampoo properly or maybe an, a reaction to the shampoo. So if it's right up around the hairline, I'd actually consider looking at your shampoo and changing it for something that has no sodium laurel sulfate in there. A lot of natural ones in the health shop will be like that. Or there is a lovely one for dry scalp called, um, it's by a company called Salcura, and it has got um, lovely moisturising things in there if you've got very itchy dry scalp. It's just called Omega Shampoo by Salcura. So you could try and change your shampoo and see can you fix the problem like that. And then just a natural uh, moisturiser, 
again, we're, if we go back to that brand, Walida, that I was speaking about earlier, they do a, an absolutely divine smelling moisturiser for men. It's just men's moisturiser. But also that skin food that I spoke about is perfectly suitable for work men, well. women and children. It yeah. works for everybody. OK, Theresa says, could Annalise suggest something for osteoarthritis, pain particularly affecting the shoulders? Okay, so the, probably the best one for osteoarthritis is the Revive Joint Active. It's a lovely Irish company. They've got some great products. And this has a combination of um, joint support in that they've got glucosamine and collagen in it. But it also has stuff in there for the bones because with osteoarthritis, you need to support the bone as well as the cartilage. So that's very good. It comes in sachet form. So you could try that. Um, and then again, the Salgar 7 that I spoke about earlier for the sore joints, it's a nice natural anti-inflammatory. So if you wanted to start on that for a couple of months and get that pain down and then go on to the Revive Act, a Joint Active for long-term maintenance of osteoarthritis. Uh, hi, uh, Annelies. Why would white blood cells go down? Mine are lowish all the time. But on the last blood test, 1.13. I feel well and I don't have any infection. What would lower white blood cells? Yeah, it's common enough, Patricia, actually. And if they're slightly down a lot of the time, really, it doesn't, unless it's consistent and people are suffering a lot for, from um, coughs and colds and viruses and flu. So your white blood cells are very important as a line of the first line of defence for fighting all of those. And if they're low, it could mean that you would be prone to getting more, more of these. So if you feel well, I don't think it's anything to worry about. There is a product called, um, by Nature's Plus, called Hemaplex, H-E-M-A-P-L-E-X. And that's a very good all-round blood support. So it's good for helping increase red blood cells, white blood cells and platelets. So you could maybe try that and see will that increase us. OK, and you'll put up all the advice on your website, um, the healthhubstore.com, as heard on the radio a little bit later on. Listen, Annalise, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Have Thank a good you, week. Patricia. And we'll chat again next uh, Monday. That's Annalise Drussell of the Health Hub Times Square in uh, Ballincollig. Before we go, somebody wants to know about driving lessons. Are driving lessons allowed to go ahead today? No, they are still restricted under level five. The only ones allowed to take driving lessons at the moment are those who've got a drive test for uh, it's if you're in the list of essential workers uh, but no and I haven't can't see any date yet for the lifting of driving lessons under level 5 we'll keep an eye on it okay that's where I leave you for today my thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing uh, the programme Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon we'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock until then I'm Patricia Messenger take care of yourself and stay safe Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 